Okay, so um, last week we said we we promised everybody that we're going to do a Simpsons role play to introduce this episode. So, uh, yeah, Chris, do you want to set the scene for us? All right. So the prompt that we decided to go with is Homer is taking Bart to Moe's for the first time to get his first beer. Now keep in mind, Bart is 10 years old. So we're just going to see what happens. We haven't rehearsed this at all. We're just going to see what happens. And three, okay. two... Wait, no, no. So now we got to do it like the scene. So okay. cue in the establishing shot of Moe's and cue the music. Boy, we're here to go get you your first beer. Come on. Homer, why are you taking me here? I'm really really want this beer and i don't think moe's is a good place to go now boy i am your father you better listen to me boy hi mo it's me hey homer, homer. from the it's me homer from hi caramba the, from the first few episodes of the simpsons now i hear i brought my boy to have his first beer uh i i don't know if i could do that homer what if what if i persuaded you by you could listen to stack podcasts with us while bart has his first beer well, that sounds like a good idea. Hi, <laughs> caramba! Hey guys, what's going on? It's me, Ethan, from Stack Podcast. You're listening to Stack Episode 10. We're here today, a little bigger. We're going to lose hey viewers because of that. I hope you realize. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to Stacked Episode 10. Yep, as I said earlier, uh, I'm your host Ethan along with... I'm Brandon. And I'm Chris. And uh, today we're, uh, things are a little bit weird for us today. We're recording a bit early. Uh, usually we record on Wednesdays and have the episodes out by the following Friday, but we, we all got some, some schedules and some stuff, some things to fulfill, so we're recording on a Saturday earlier so i can get this get this edited out before i have to be busy and uh yeah so here we are uh so what what happened in the past three wait no the past two days since i've last spoken to you guys (laughs) the larva island Island movie. movie okay so we all had this very very religious experience the, on a th- it was a Thursday night like no other where I went to Chris's house and um, we, we we ate some stuff you know we don't need to specify what we ate but we ate some stuff and uh, we decided to pop on old cars too first as a little appetizer and di- and FaceTime with the friends while we're doing it and then later on in the evening we we wrapped it up with the infamous 2020 film. The Larva Island movie. Now, Brandon and I have seen this film a week prior, but we needed to uh, induct Chris into this this high society of high knowledge, you know. And Chris, what what was your experience with the Larva Island movie? Man, that was a movie and a half. I mean, like right before we watched this, Ethan and I happened before Brandon joined in, and uh, we watched it together. Ethan and I actually watched Cars two which is perhaps the greatest Pixar movie that's ever been made. I'm kidding. That... Anyway, um, <laughs> but following that, um, I was severely intoxicated after, uh, by the time that had ended. 
and um, went into the Larva Island movie, uh, barely grasping anything that's going on around me. Um, and I kind of like liken the experience of that movie to, oh God, Brandon, what's the name of that filmmaker that Professor Fury showed us where it's just like vivid colors for like a minute? You know what I'm talking uh, about? Dan Brockridge? Yeah, Rocky? Brockridge. Rocky, yeah. Something like that. Like it was just kind of like imagery playing on screen and like I'm comprehending but I'm not dissecting or or understanding anything beyond it, beyond <laughs> what I'm looking at. I don't think you right. were meant to, if I'm being completely exactly. honest. <laughs> but like, um, it's just kind of like, I mean, like, if anyone here happens to know the show, the Larva Island show, I think that's what it's called. Um, it's just kind of like, it's exactly what you think it is. Um, just two little like slugs just kind of roaming around and screaming their heads off that little red guy is the funniest thing you'll ever see in your life um yeah i mean what else is there to say beyond that uh i just got word that while we were talking about the larva island movie uh good my, my good friend harrison from the monkey time podcast shout out to the monkey time podcast uh they they're literally right about to start watching the larva island movie <laughs> that's amazing by by my recommendation i couldn't join them tonight because we're recording but i said uh please because i can't join you watch the uh, the larva island movie in my honor and they're doing it right now and i'm just i'm glad this magical movie is being spread our friends joey and tori uh watched it and they loved it um and i have a feeling i'm gonna be showing more people the larva island movie in the near future uh so yeah brandon Please dissect the Larva Island movie as if it was a um, a Hororoske movie or a Tarkovsky movie, you know? Like, oh, oh. oh, okay. All right. I think that this movie... How, how does this stack up with Stalker, you know? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> it's all about isolation and, you know, mm-hmm. never feeling comfortable in your own skin. But it's also got this deep social message about how, like, people get along with the environment and how people kind of learn from their suffering to uh, accept the world around them and kind of embrace it. This is also just like an excruciatingly like <laughs> existential movie. Oh, I mean, like it's yeah. about the monotony of existence, is it not? I mean, you're just kind of sitting there with these two guys for like, what is it, like an hour and a half or something like that? It feels like four hours. It feels like four <laughs> hours, but like... Everyone's I mean, first time, it feels like four hours. Yeah. But when Brandon and I rewatched it, like... It would buy in a flash, like, oh my god, everything's happening so fast. But th- that first, that first painful, painful watch through is just like the the trials of Hercules. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I, I just got word to also shout out the Monkey Time Twitter account since they're watching the Larva Island movie, and I'm, I'm sure you will also get Larva Island reviews and contents on that podcast very soon. So, yeah, stay tuned to both. I feel like Larva Island movie will be brought up a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to be a basic unit of measurement of quality for other films, I believe. You right. know, often you'll see, you'll see critics um, when they write about movies, they'll often like help help the viewer by comparing things to other films. I have a feeling we may do that a lot with the Larva Island movie, just because it's such a uh, a vast movie in terms of its themes, quality, and like um, filmmaking techniques. You know. Um, but yeah, so 
what I'm trying to say is uh, you can't be a stacked fan without having seen the Larva Island movie from now on. Like, it just... After you finish this episode, there's no excuse. You know? Absolutely. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. It's My on Netflix. Brain. So... Yeah. It's on Netflix. It's on... If you... If you if you don't have a Netflix, uh, DM me. I, I'll get you. I'll give you other means to watch it. <laughs> DM. D- don't even DM. Just at the official stacked account, and I'll I'll tweet back you some links <laughs> that will probably get us arrested. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Ah uh, yes. I do. The internet. The I, internet. I don't like it. My brain. I don't like it. My brain hurts from having to analyze that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. they got good screams and farts though. You gotta, oh yeah, you gotta it's that. incredible. Insert yeah. scream here. Okay, <laughs> that's thank hilarious. You. Anyway, thank you, Red Larva. Thank you. Um, okay, so yeah, that's enough uh, Larva Island talk. Let's let's get into the show, right? So, what is stacked? What? Is, well, how do we do it here? You're ten. We're ten episodes in, and you're still confused. What the fuck you doing here? Get out of here. Just kidding. I'll tell I'll tell you right now, so you don't have to be confused anymore. Once a week, he... Wow, that's the first time I messed up. Kind of yeah, the, yeah, the first time. Yeah, yeah. The first yeah, time. In a while. In a while, okay? In a while. Let me start again. Once a week, we set a topic or theme and go our separate ways to construct our own three-film stack. Then after the week, we come back... Then after the week... Oh, my God. Then after a week... Shut up! Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we will mix and match our nine films to make the ultimate decision on what quintessential three-film stack we are checking out of this hypothetical video store. Boom. Okay, there. It's out of the way. It's done. The theme of this show, this episode, is coming-of-age movies. Now, when we set this topic, we had a lot of debate on what is considered a coming-of-age movie. Now... If I bring up my old friend, uh, Wikipedia, let's ju- let's just go off this uh, definition here, shall we? Shall we? Now, yeah. why is it not coming up? Wow, the the de- the definition is not the same definition as as I read last time when we were deciding this topic. I bet wow. I bet Brandon was the one who modified it. Okay, in genre <laughs> studies, a coming of age story is a genre of literature, film, and video that focus on the growth of a protagonist from youthhood to adulthood. Coming-of-age stories tend to emphasize dialogue or internal monologue over action. I don't know if that's completely necessary. And are often set in the past. Again, also not really necessary. Uh, The subjects of of coming-of-age stories are typically teenagers. Uh, The Bill, Bill Doug Grossman... What the fuck is a specific subgenre of coming of age story? I've never heard of that in my life. Anyways, yeah, we're doing coming of age stories. Uh, how did you fellas fare with picking, with tackling this definition and picking your choices, Brandon? I just changed mine. Just now? Yeah. Like, just this second? <laughs> yeah, I just changed one of them because I was like. Well, because you were so adamant about what a coming of age story could be. Yeah, I know. I, I was really, like, anticipating it being any movie about aging, about specifically aging. But then I was like, nope. You had you had Benjamin Button, didn't you? I did, but I, I had to. <laughs> I knew it. Did you How really? I <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, my God. How did I know? <laughs> okay. Uh, That's cool. What about you, Chris? I don't yeah, anymore. Um, <laughs> for anyone here who has seen um, two episodes ago, I think now, 
um, my, our episode with Joey, I'm very loose with my definitions because I think film is an intersectional expression of whatever. I don't know. But yeah. All right, so Mr. Like, Big Words. Yeah, I know, right? I don't know. I'm more film studies students. What do you want? Um, <laughs> so like basically the outline of my um, selection is that I wanted to not so much like break away, but like dissect like um, a bit more like alternatively what a coming of age film is. So I kind of foregoed the usual like kind of, I don't want to say formula, but like structure of a, of a coming of age film. So instead of picking films like, and I'm, and I love a lot of these films, like uh, films like say Edge of 17, for example, um, a very classical, like um, well, not classical, but like, um, I don't want to say by the books, but kind of like quote unquote conventional, even though I really like this movie, um, coming of age film, I decided to go with something a bit more alternative in the way it portrays um, growing up uh, as a young adult or teenager or whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I've got some fun picks for you guys. All right. And I just I just picked my movies after I we said the topic. It wasn't that hard. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's kick this off let's start it let's start it brandon i i also gotta say i'm i messed up the ordering in the past episode i wasn't supposed to go for first it was supposed to be someone else i think it was supposed to be brandon so brandon please the floor is yours for our first uh coming of age film my first film all right that's enough ethan's next all right <laughs> <laughs> my You're first okay, film okay. is Meet the Robinsons. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, but first, my my first film is The Breakfast Club by John uh, Hughes. Classic, Ooh. John Hughes. You Ulti- gotta have it. Ultimate classic. Ultimate classic movie. I think you can't talk coming of age without talking the master about the master of coming of age, and that's John Hughes. Uh, uh, I remember first seeing this movie when I was really young. It's a great movie about teen stereotypes and how we can kind of break out of them and how when you're in high school or in junior high when cliques are like the the thing that like divides everyone it's nice to know that there are solaces from that and people are people regardless of what label you put on them and i mean outside of that i mean it's a really mature movie for like uh when it's set and how the characters are dealing with real issues in their life. Because often in teen romance movies, especially the ones by Netflix, like The Kissing Booth and All the Boys I Loved Before or whatever, those movies are very like, oh, the boy doesn't like me or the boy likes me. Whereas this is more like, well, I, I'm dealing with like really big mental issues. And I think that's really, really important. And I think a lot of people can take that away from this. Yeah. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I really dig this movie. I mean, like, like you said, Brandon, like, I really love how the film kind of, like, deconstructs, like, the social, like, um, like, structure of, like, you know, middle school or whatever, where, like, there's cliques and, like, people are very, like, superficial and shit like that. But then you also can dive into, like, these much more deeper and, like, human aspects to these young adults who, you know, like you said, like, um, a lot of these crappy like formulaic bs that comes out of like movies like kissing booth and whatnot like you know this is something that actually like is really gripping especially for young people because you know themes about depression and stuff like that yeah they're heavy-handed but the thing is like young adults especially teenagers experience this stuff just as much as anyone else 
and arguably even more because of the position they're in in their life at the time. So yeah, and I think this is a very apt like description of like what it's like to be, you know, honestly like coming of age. Like this is like this is, this is kind of like like you said, it's kind of like your pick for Back to the Future, for time travel. I guess it's like quintessential. I don't know how else to put it. It's really it's like it is the like it's the coming of age moment. I would say. One of the things that I'm always the most impressed with with The Breakfast Club, always, I don't know why I said always, I think I've seen this movie once, it was like in high school, but I st- it's memorable as fuck, you know? It's a really memorable movie. Mm-hmm. And that's its script. That was one of like the first movies where I started like focusing on like how tightly written this movie is, you know? How tightly written it is to like how clear the characters are, you know? You, it establishes all... What are there, five characters? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Wait, no. I, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, the five characters. <laughs> I counted one character twice on the poster. I was counting the poster. Um, all five of the characters, like, it does uh, take each little stereotype from high school culture, you know? But it turns that into, like, an actual person that you can care for. Like, one of the best scenes is when they're... It's towards the end of the movie, and it's... Um, Anthony Michael Hall's character is like he's breaking down and crying, you know. I forgot what it was about, but it was I just remember Oh. You go. You know, you tell me. Uh it's, tell me, please. <laughs> it's when all the sick or all the five kids are sitting down on the ground together. Oh, uh, yeah, and he's like, "What if we are we not going to talk to each other?" Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes place on a Saturday, so, so Monday. So on Monday, right. So. Yeah, but it's just like that is such a touching scene because it builds the relationship of all these characters so well. It's another film that, um, like 12 Angry Men, where it it's all set in one location, really. You know, it's the detention. It's a library in the high school. And I, there's nothing really, like, special about the filmmaking, per se, about the cinematography or anything. Like, it it's suffice, you know? It, it, it does its job. But... The, the true the true star of this film is John John Hughes and his and the script that he wrote for it like mm. oh my god it's phenomenal it's phenomenal I would say this would probably be a good double feature uh with probably Cabin in the Woods just for what yeah for breaking down character stereotypes you know if you want something like that right but this this one takes a more uh, nuanced humanist approach. humanistic approach and that one's more fantastical i guess you know but i i get you i see your point i see your point all right breakfast club great great first pick all right chris take us into your first coming all right film. well um i'm going to switch gears a little bit here because this is kind of an unconventional pick for this topic now what if i told you my first pick is a contemporary french horror film excuse moi <laughs> that's is... a little french joke wait i know that i know the movie it's i'm not don't, well, you don't du- say it it's julia ducor now i probably messed that up 2016 film raw oh raw <laughs> yeah i really dig this movie um i think all three of us yeah we've all seen this movie i think yeah mm-hmm. um and yeah i really dig this movie i mean like whether it's um okay wait let me try and break this down as quickly as i can basically the movie is about this girl um i think her name is justine yeah justine she goes to um 
veterinary vet yeah veterinary veterinary school um uh, but she is a vegetarian um and while she's there uh, it's her first day and then she goes through the next couple days just trying to assimilate herself into this new environment this new um you know new culture and everything like that excuse me um yeah but like she start like certain like things start to happen and revolve around her which drives her towards discovering something about herself i'm not going to get into anything more than that but the movie really is a metaphor for change and but particularly sexual awakening um i really think this movie is like about discovering yourself but not necessarily in a positive way and i think that's also something worth talking about because oftentimes i feel like a lot of these coming of age films is about finding the best best version of yourself which i think is a great thing but I think it's also worth acknowledging the dark sides of yourself and seeing how that goes. Um, and yeah, the um, I really dig this movie. The style is incredible. I love um, the way you kind of like progress through this like twisted maze of a film. Um, I feel like you guys can probably speak on this a bit more than me. Um, so I don't think Brandon digs this movie the most out of all of us, but I, I don't know, maybe. You don't think I do? No, I, think you, does... I think you do. Oh, I think okay. you do like this more than us. But uh, why don't you take us, into this, take us into this next discussion? Yeah. Raw is a raw movie. That's for sure. Oh, okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wrote a paper on this movie last year uh, in Professor Fury's class. Oh. I don't know if you guys knew that. Tell us about it. Uh, I, it was basically breaking down uh, social construction uh, via like, horror films and like how people psychologically uh break down over the course of time and how like teenagers are stressed and stuff uh about how they get along in school uh as well as like fitting in socially but it's also like breaking down like violence and how uh kind of teenagers are desensitized to that and how some people who have moral values are Are all right. Moving on. Ethan. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Are uh, what? <laughs> their moral values are tested. Uh, be- tested. Yes. Because because of how they relate to like wanting to fit in, you know that struggle uh, makes them do things that they wouldn't otherwise be comfortable with, and that's great for transitioning into college. Yes. It's a very hyper. I'd say it's very hyperbolic in its themes of uh, familial pressures, um, redefining yourself in a new place. You know, the desire to want to create a new persona for yourself. Um, I feel like we've all had those kind of experiences. You know, but uh, none of those. I, I well, I'm. I don't know. Not for me. None of those have really been. Uh, Wanting to eat people, like experimenting cannibalism, but maybe for you guys, Chris is looking around, he's kind of shifty, he's scratching his head, he's kind of sweating a bit. Um, but yeah, this is, um, it's very, it does such a good job of visually expressing your anxieties that you have of going to college for the first time, you know? Visually expressing them in a truly horrifying and disgusting manner. And... Uh, I saw this for the first time with Chris. Chris, was that your first time we saw no, Raw back I, I in saw, January? I saw, I saw it in high school, but um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, we got to see this. We got to see this on the big screen. 
uh, in a Dolby theater at our film school, which was really nice, really nice. Lucky. And yeah, I, nobody nobody passed out, but goddamn, I was near close to it because your baby. There's some that, gross stuff. Do you remember that cow? Or was it a That's horse? the grossest part of the movie is when she's putting her hand up the cow's ass. Spoilers. Ethan, you have to realize that that is farmland. What does that mean? What does that mean? That's what it is to be a farmer. Or a veterinarian. You have to it's do ve- the work. I know it's a veterinarian school, but what does that mean for its grander themes? Pulling shit out of a cow's ass. Gotta get it done yourself. You're the one who wrote a paper. Tell me. It's not about that. I didn't. I didn't you know, every message of the movie. It's not about, about pulling the... shit out of a cow's ass. It's about sending a message. <laughs> oh God, I love the Joker. Like ongoing joke we have. It's so funny. So Joker's <laughs> pulling cow shit out of the ass. Batman's oh. ass. That's what you got to do, Ethan. You gotta. You gotta put uh, Joker's. <laughs> have fun animating i'm not doing that i'm not doing that all right but you gotta put some you gotta put some kind of a graphic i will put i will put something he's gonna put a blurred video not not something that will get us demonetized or anything even though Um, we don't make any money anyways but (laughs) but um i just want to quickly say like we keep keep i and i think it's me i keep bringing up that films that we've seen in that horror class yeah. So I'm just waiting for the day that Ethan or I bring up this amazing movie called Blood Diner. Oh, it'll never happen. It'll it. Yeah, shot. I swear to God, it'll happen. Never, yeah, never happen heard of it. It, it was shot. It? it was shot by one of the cinematography professors at Dodge. I'm not gonna say his name, but I will. Actually, no, I'm not even gonna out him for this now. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that out. Oh, you're gonna leave that out? Actually, All do right. you want me to say it, and you can cut it if you think it'll be good to cut? You just bleep bleep the next like ten seconds if you if you don't think it's a good idea. No, I I don't care. Yeah, do it. Say it. Okay. So. <laughs> so that's raw. That was Blood Diner, but what we were talking about earlier is raw, and that's yes. a good pick. Hmm. Very good, uh, dramatic pick for this coming of age stack. Okay, my first film. It's my turn now. My first film. Uh, is a 2010 film, completely different location than uh, American high school or a veterinarian school in France. It's uh, the, rur- the rural uh, suburbs of New Zealand. And oh. that's Taika Waititi's boy. 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 Y- young boy. 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 You're not the boy. Hank Hill, get out of here. Shoot. All right. Taika Waititi's boy. It's still my absolute favorite YTT flick. Ooh. It's it's about a boy who calls himself Boy and uh, him being reunited with his father, played by Taika YTT, um, who just got out of prison. And just the, the, the melodrama that happens between um, dealing with his father and his shenanigans and... Uh, reconciling he uh, boy and his little brother's place um, in the world and it's just it's one thing okay okay so Taika Waititi is my favorite film director of all time I just think his direction like no matter the quality of film is just like so awe-inspiring the way he's able to do like this it's 
energetic and vibrant yet melancholic at the same time and that's just that's just right up my alley you know like that's just ethan that's just me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i'm kind of an interesting guy like i'm very vibrant i'm very funny but like deep down i'm pretty melancholic actually are you gonna swipe right or swipe left everybody are you gonna swipe up swipe down like what what are you gonna do to me like just honestly (laughs) slap slap his tinder profile up there now are you gonna are you going to slap my forehead like a watermelon? I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. No, but it's just he makes some beautiful uh, feeling films, you know? It's it's funny, but it's also a very sad film. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's about this boy becoming learning the responsibilities of an adult through his fuck-up father. And I just, I love it. What do you guys think? Um, I really, really dig this movie. I mean, I did give it a four out of five. I do don't think it's a perfect movie, but um, one thing I've always admired about YTT's direction is he has this like really interesting ability, like, and it's it's rare within directors, and I think it's like only the best can really achieve this quality, which is that I think he has such a like a strong understanding of being able to evoke um, deep seated trauma and pain and um, emotion through like even the most vibrant as you said vibrant and happy and like most you know seemingly beautiful parts of life and i think he strikes a really strong balance between those two aspects and tones um i remember i watched this over the summer and i think um right after i actually messaged tori uh because i wanted to tell her like when i saw this movie the only thing i could think of was like her um, YTT's direction reminds me a lot of, and I think I'm amongst the three of us, I'm like the one who has the most like quote unquote authority to say this, but Tori's direction is very similar to the way YTT does it in the sense of like bringing out deep pain and emotion through like comedy and like, like life and vitality. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, is kind of like obvious for like a young, like a young uh, person going through life where you know, you have deep-seated emotions, but at the same time, you're also a really funny and, like, outgoing, maybe even, you know, fully functioning person, but there's still something under there. Yeah. Brandon? Wow, Chris, you just you just broke down, like, my whole, like, personality right there. Like, <laughs> I'm, I, I just want to reinstate again that I am an interesting, handsome guy, and I just, like, <laughs> yeah, just, like, whatever. It's, that's just me. I'm not, I'm not trying to, like notion anything or suggest anything to anybody i'm just that's yeah that's just me brandon what do you think <laughs> i like boy all right, Wait, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> can we clip that and just tweet that before this episode comes out i like boy. yeah i like boy uh, that's like a my name is jeff i like boy <laughs> i i taika ytt is the best filmmaker in terms of handling tone yeah, I think he's got such a grasp on it. And like, I know you guys have kind of broken that down a lot already, so I won't go too far into it. But I, I think there are scenes in this movie where it's out, like it's joyous. But at the same time, you feel the inner pain of our lead character as he kind of struggles to relate and even like, you know, give the same feelings back towards his dad that his dad expects of him. Uh, and I think that's really brilliant. I think the only the the best thing that comes of it 
Um, I I think it, it's really good for connecting fathers and sons. Uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Yes, great points. And I also just want to shout out another film uh, that in that's mentioned in Taiko Waititi's Boy that I was going to put on this list, but I want to save it for another stack. And it's, hey, man, that, that movie's it's just like E.T. I've seen that movie like five times. I think E.T. is a good coming-of-age film, but I didn't include it. I think I my stack. I you know boy is like probably my least memorable of Taika's movies, but it's probably one of my highest ranked. Wow, wow. Just kidding. Okay, that's cool. All right, Brandon, talking talking such big game. Why don't you take us into your second film, huh? You big old piss boy. You big old big old tall string bean ass man. You big old striped sweater ass fucking boy. All right, my move. We watched it together in the cinema in 1999. Not in 1999. Oh, uh, I was like, <laughs> what, we were all like fetuses? <laughs> no, uh, we watched it at the Fulino together. It's 1999's E2 Mama Tom Vien. Oh. I've got the Criterion Blu-ray right here. Oh, but not just the seat. You don't have just the DVD. You got the actual box set right there. Right. The actual case this time. Is it divided into like four DVDs like the... How many? Oh my God! There's a lot, actually. <laughs> Jeez! Wow! Unbo- this is an audio unboxing video right here. The good movie. <laughs> 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 what can I say? It's a good movie. Uh, we watched this together uh, in I forget what class was it? History? Film, film history. I think it was. I think it was dive into. Yeah, yeah, we were diving into Mexican cinema. Right, and uh, this is where I found my love for the majority of Mexican cinema because this movie is absolutely amazing. It's a personal movie about a two best friends connecting over a road trip. Uh, it's a, it's like a movie about coming into your own and like how puberty uh, affects your growth as a human being. Uh, it's about how like sex can kind of define, uh, def- not define, divide friendships. And how uh, over time, it, the jealousy and envy like starts to ooze away, and then you you're left with something quite beautiful. You know, being close with friends is really important, and I don't think a, a movie does a better job at capturing that than Itu Mama Tambien. Yeah, we had a great experience watching this film all together for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did, especially Brandon. Oh God. Next to him. I, I remember just looking over. I think maybe he was two seats down from me. I just look over at him, and he's just like, you know how like when you sit in a movie theater, like usually people like leaning back on their chairs, like really taking it in. Brandon was like leaned forward and like yeah. eyes wide open. It and was he, was. he. I could tell he was just digging this movie. It was a visceral experience for him, mm-hmm. and it's a very good film. Yeah, like, it's, it's a great movie. Oh man, uh, Alfonso Cuarón did this movie, right? Yes. Yeah, Alfonso Cuarón's direction in this is like, I don't know, it's so... It's realist, for sure. It's, it's very realist. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. It's but realist. Realist in a sense that it's like, I feel like with Italian neorealism, if we're going to get into this throughout this Well, that's neorealism, that's not yeah, realism. No, but at the same, it is realism, right? It, it deals with suffering, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But their form of realism is so dull, dully expressed. <laughs> Wow! Man, Shout- I, the the Italian, who have, if if there's anyone Italian watching this other than Joey, <laughs> wow. but is he really Italian? Come on! I, I mean, isn't he like? Whoa! 
<laughs> Isn't he like like an eighth Indian or something? Yeah, but that's not Italian. Okay, the thing <laughs> the, the thing I'm trying to get out here. What is, is happening? <laughs> Talk about the fucking movie. <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, it's a realism that is like captured with such like vigor. I'm sorry, what? Vigor. Did you just Dude. say it? <laughs> no, I said. All right. I'm gonna bleep out those words. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the funniest episode we've done yet when I was trying. <laughs> Okay. All right. Recuperate. We're okay. Recuperate. Chris, how about you talk about Itumama Tom? No, wait. I was in the middle of a thought. Are we going to no, keep no, this no, all no. in? <laughs> yeah, we're keeping it in. Keep, keep going. Go! Oh, okay. Uh, th this <laughs> movie has such vigor in it about the way it's executed that it's the energy it, it promotes and has is like you feel like you're involved in this movie. And hence why I was leaning forward and grasping my the arms of the your, chair your cup of orange juice and your celery sticks oh yeah holding. totally i was doing that the whole movie <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I wasn't slouching in my chair this time i was yeah, i mean that's an ongoing joke with us we always say like you know how one of us is reacting to a movie based on our like Posture. seating position yeah i think during like gummo we were all slouched like you brand i think you were off your chair at one point yeah. i think I think I was just resting my neck on the seat of the chair for Gummo. <laughs> I think I was about to throw... I was looking to the right of the theater trying to throw it. <laughs> no, um, but yeah. Chris, okay. take us in more into it. Yeah. So, yeah. You too, Mama Tambien. Like, um, I remember when I, when I first saw this movie, I think I wrote uh, my review on Letterboxd, and I think I described it as, like, one of those, like, great, like, quote-unquote, aimless character-driven pieces where it's not so much about the plot that's progressing the story, it's more about it watching these characters live and interact with one another and seeing how that dynamic unfolds. And yeah, Brandon, like you said, like this is a great film about, um, about friendship, absolutely, but more so about self-discovery and learning about oneself through the company of others. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Cohen's direction is, like, in this film is, like, some of his best, I think. Um... I mean, I think the only thing that really comes close is Roma. Amongst what I've seen is Roma, and I'm a I'm I'm kind of a Harry Potter fan, so maybe Prisoner of Azkaban. But um, I will put my hands up right now and say, and I feel awful about this. I've never seen Children of Men, so I gotta see that. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, I it mean... destigmatizes uh, sex too, which is yeah. really I in most American cinema, I think you deal with like the evils of sex a lot. But in uh, Mexican cinema, he wasn't afraid to delve deep into a subject matter that might provoke some controversy from audiences, which is really interesting. Right. And all I have to say about this movie is Gail Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna, iconic film duo. Give them like, more roles. Give them more roles together. They're amazing together in this movie. Yeah, they're great together. All right. Great second pick. Chris? Take us into your number two. All right. Well, continuing my trend of slightly less um, traditional come-of-age films. Wait, I'm about to burp. No, I'm not. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Change your mind, huh? 
We can cut that out. Um, is a 2016 film. Uh, another one. Yes, another 2016 film. Is my last one? No, my last one's not. Um, my um, so this film, uh, yeah, made in 2016. Uh, released by I think the studio. Yeah, the studio was A24. Anyone got any guesses? Lady Bird. That's on Twitter. Barry Jenkins's Moonlight. Oh. Ah. Yeah. So, um, Moonlight. My I find this a very, movie. very ah. ah Moonlight. Ah 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 ah. <laughs> Why is that not Jimmy's laugh? I finally see that Moonlight has come onto the Stack Podcast. Very good. Can I just talk about that joke before you talk about the movie? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so whenever we're at whenever we're at the AMC theaters and uh, they advertise a well, back in the glory days of before everything was a pandemic apocalypse, you know, and you could go to movie theaters uh, before the movies, they would advertise uh, AMC A list, and it would always have this big graphic of movies like in this diamond like pattern or something like that, and Joker. It would be during the scene when he's like, um, let me do a magic trick. So he's pointing, he's pointing to the, to the right of the screen and right next to him is the moonlight poster. So we always made this joke. Like whenever we saw this, like Joker's pointing to his favorite movie of all time and it's moonlight. So he's like, ah, moonlight, my favorite movie, moonlight. Do you want to know how I got this favorite movie? <laughs> anyway, okay, that's the I joke. I saw it in theaters in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And I loved it. Uh, how do I describe this movie? So this is a film directed by Barry Jenkins, and it follows the story of this uh, young man trying to um, come to terms with himself, um, through, and it's told through these three distinct chapters in his life being childhood adolescence and adulthood um it talks about um his feelings of pain euphoria falling in love but most definitely grappling with his identity as a um member of the lgbt community and um this for me was one of the first films that really dived into like LGBT representation in a way that was a lot more like intimate and tender and like really got you into the mind of this character and really helped you understand the um, overarching like societal flaws when it comes to talking about this kind of thing, but also on a more like deeply intimate level about how um, painful and excruciating it is to accept oneself um, in an environment that can often be so hostile towards that um towards that um that you know personhood and yeah and like um this is like a really beautiful film it really for me like is one of the most delicately executed films of all time i really think it like it like almost like gently floats in this conversation but in the best way possible it dives deep by treading treading lightly if you will i don't know how else to describe it's this an- one it's incredibly subtle, I think is the word you're looking for. Incredibly subtle and it's it's such a it's it's decade defining, honestly, in terms of like what's been set after it, you know? It's it's it sort of was like um I don't know. I I I feel like it sort of did define like an entire movement of uh black cinema that came after it, you know, in mm-hmm. the second half of the 2010s. 
and it's just it's such a great deconstruction of uh masculinity and the yeah, pressures absolutely. yeah yeah you know and oh the chris the cine oh it's gorgeous this the city it's amazing it's it's so beautiful and so vibrantly like vibrantly but like with cool colors yeah. you know it's so like oh great quick, pick. quick tidbit the um barry jenkins and his cinematographer for this film i believe his name i'm just looking at james laxton they were inspired most heavily for the visual the visuals of this film by wong kar wise in the mood for love which i personally think is the best shot film of all time in terms of cinematography i would agree so yeah there you go um brandon what do you think about this movie this movie hurt me huh it hurt me in 2017. Is it because it beat out La La Land? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. He, I was, he was I was running around my house like, hey, my La La Land won. <laughs> and then I come back and they're like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, no. No. Oh, no? Well, I loved La La Land so much that I was like, I need, I was like, I visited the set like when I was at Warner Brothers. Did you guys not know that? Wait, you never told no. us this story. Uh, so I, what happened was, is my parents and I were touring Warner Brothers before college. And they were talking about Damien Chazelle's new movie. And they brought us to where the coffee shop was. And it was all decorated and stuff because they were going to start st- shooting there for like a week. But I was just like. Oh, that's cool. I was like on set. And I had a personal connection to that movie because I remember I watched Whiplash like twice in a row in 2014 when I got a screener for it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, wow, like, this is really amazing. I can't wait to see what this guy does next. And I heard La La Land was coming out and I had been obsessing over the trailers. And then when the movie came out, it lived up to my expectations and then Moonlight won. So enough with La La Land. Uh, and I saw Moonlight in theaters and I loved the first two acts of the movie because it really takes this like gritty view of like a person's life as they're struggling with who they are as a person and it's really applicable to the 2010s and i think uh the passing of i think or the the passing of gay marriage legislation in the united states and that's great but the last third of it like kind of fell flat for me it's like i was like it's over when when it cut to black at the end of the movie and it's not like i don't like where the movie went i was just like expecting a little bit more not saying I don't love the movie. I, I really like the movie. I've warmed up to it more over time. But, you know, I still have a little bit of a, a south spot for the other one. Yeah, I mean, like, I I like, um, I totally, I honestly do get what you mean. Like, um, I really respect Moonlight a lot. But I do get, like, that sense of, like, your attachment, my attachment to La La Land as a human being, as a person it resonates with me more because the themes of that film touched me on a more personal level because I was going through stuff like that at the time, especially. So, um, but yeah, so I guess it's the relatability factor um, in that conversation. But yeah, I mean, like back to Moonlight, uh, just really quickly, like one thing that came to mind that I forgot to talk about is like the way in which Jenkins, like I think he does a really great job at distinguishing the internal self from the external persona. And like, you know, yeah. not everyone is who you think they are. And they like people might be putting on a facade to protect themselves or something like that. So, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Okay. Assholes. <laughs> I already said my piece on it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful film. Beautiful, beautiful film. 
Okay, let's go into my second pick. So, uh, not not as like groundbreaking as Moonlight, but uh, mine is a 2017 film. It came out the year after, and it's a, it's a superhero film about growing up, and I feel like coming of age and coming into a superhero identity is a, is really they, they kind of go hand in hand like it, it it matches up really well and my uh film is spider-man homecoming which uh i'm glad uh brandon brought john hughes early on the film because it's, it was a huge influence and this is the film that made me really fall in love with the character of spider-man before then i never really i never really fell in love with raimi's films or the mark webb ones but this one it really reminded me of those first few issues of Spider-Man, where when he becomes a when he be, finally becomes a hero, and he's still learning about his responsibilities, all he can think about is um, living up to those around him. And the first thing he does in uh, I think it's the Amazing Spider-Man number one, not um, Amazing Stories when he gets his powers, but he goes and he tries he begs to the Fantastic Four for a job, and. I just see that all paralleled in this film where he's trying to live up to Tony Stark and he's trying to like, he, he wants to be an Avenger and he, he thinks cause, because he has the power of an Avenger means he can just, he, he can already be one. But this film puts him to the test through uh, high school drama and uh, superhero drama. <laughs> yeah, you had to yawn, didn't you? Like a screaming cat, Brandon. I don't drama. know what you want from me, buddy. Don't yawn while I talk, asshole. <laughs> High school drama and superhero drama. Tom Holland's my favorite Spider-Man. He has a great job. He actually is a kid as opposed to Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire when they shot their film. So it makes it all the more relatable when he's Spider-Man. Michael Keaton is the greatest Spider-Man uh, on-screen villain yet. No, actually, no, that's, that's not it. I'm just kidding. I like Mysterio more, but he's up there. He's he's super great as the Vulture, a really bizarre character that was uh, adapted really well and fits perfectly into the grander Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. All right, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, what do you want? Spider-Man Homecoming reminds me of Little Big League. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Brandon, wait, I'm going to come to Arizona and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> no, 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 Chris. I'll hear him out. I'll hear him out. What you got? What you got? All right. What you, got? you know, you got you got Spider Man, who has to deal with living a double life as a superhero and a teenager in high school, and you've got Billy, who has to manage the Minnesota Twins, but at the same time deal with friendships and going to school. So they are very much having these split issues of like dealing with multiple lives at once. The only difference is is that Spider Man's life is a secret life, and Billy's life is one in the public presence. So, I, I mean, I like Spider-Man Homecoming a lot. It's not my favorite Spider-Man movie. That would go to uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which is excellent. Great. That's a, yeah. I think that's even better at a, as a coming-of-age movie. But uh, I think Spider-Man Homecoming is a good pick. Like, I remember John Watts saying a lot that inspirations came from John Hughes directly and from, like, a bunch of 80s, uh, like, coming-of-age movies like Dirty Dancing and stuff like that. Not necessarily right. in, like their like de de their depictions of things but through their themes 
Uh, I yeah. really enjoyed the movie. Michael Keaton's great in the movie. I just don't know if it's necessarily all the focus of the movie is on the coming of age of Spider-Man. Then what what would you say is the focus? I mean, it's it's about Peter becoming Spider-Man, but I don't know if it's about him becoming an adult. It's one and the same. Spider-Man, not Spider-Boy. They they make a point of that in the movie. I um I gotta say I do think the like Spider Man is like him learning to be Spider Man and what that means. I I suppose it could like you could read that as like a metaphor for adult like you know coming into adulthood. Well, like not say adulthood, but like you know young adulthood or something like learning responsibility and learning you know with great power comes great responsibility. I mean I don't that say wasn't those in lines. this movie. They say um what do they say? It's like if you if you if something about you no suit don't have it something like that <laughs> i can no yeah. suit don't have it <laughs> that's i'm gonna all right i'm putting up the poster and it's it says that it's the quotations like that's the log line for the film no suit don't have it <laughs> i concede i think that then that's a good choice okay yay chris what do you think about this movie yeah um i'm a, like as you guys know i think each of us have our superhero that we adore. I think Brandon's is either Captain America or Superman. Ethan's is Ant-Man and I think Doctor Strange? And Aquaman, maybe? Aquaman. Aquaman right. and Ant-Man. Uh, mine is Batman and Spider-Man. And I'm, I'm a basic bitch for that. But... Yes. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. They are fantastic characters. I they are fantastic. But I will say they are the most commonly loved superheroes, I think. Well, there's a reason for that. They're guess, so great. Yeah, there you go. But um, yeah, I gotta say, like, yeah, I really do like this movie. I do think it, it absorbs the John Hughes energy very well, um, but invigorates it with this like superhero vitality to it. And like it, like I like this was a film where, you know, like that kind of like once again restored my faith in the Spider-Man mythos because, as we all know, Spider-Man has had a very turbulent history in cinema. Yeah. Um, whether it's like, you know, walking down the street, you know, strutting and pointing with Sam Raimi <laughs> or, um, those insane montages that have nothing to do with anything in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Or oh, you'll God. get my rent when you fix that goddamn Damn door. Damn door. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean like this kind of like, it, it captured that vital part of Spider-Man, which is like the responsibility to take, to care for others, care for the little guy. But also yeah. just like persevere through things like there's a scene with me. I'm not gonna spoil too much, but he's in a real pickle. <laughs> and just put he has the Tom Holland's face in a pickle or on a pickle, please. Oh, God. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? I'm pickle. To... I'm pickle Spider-Man. I'm pickle. <laughs> God damn it! Why did we have to tarnish our podcast with one of those jokes? I hate you. So he has to like lift something like really heavy and he has to find the willpower to do it. And you really, that scene alone is like a great Spider-Man moment because you really get a sense for what Spider-Man's all about. And yeah, it's a metaphor for coming of age and like learning to be, learning to transition from little ass, like neighborhood, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, even though that is who he is, but also learning to accept responsibility and be a larger than life superhero, even though, he, and accepting that even though he's not larger than life, Mm -hmm. he his identity is 
Right. And yeah, that's what's meaningful about it. So yeah, dig this movie. All right. Yeah. No. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. We're, we got we to gotta wrap it up here. We got to wrap it up. I'm sorry. So let's, let's go into our final round. Brandon, hit us with your third film. Boyhood. Okay, Chris, hit us with your third. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, we, got, we do right. have to make yeah, this quick, sorry. so let's get it. Yeah. Uh, Boyhood is this great coming-of-age movie by Richard Linklater, nominated for Best Picture in 2014 or 2015, one of the two. Uh, and it's about a, a boy literally coming of age from, I think, 6 to 18, 19 years old. And they shot it over the period of 12 to 13 years. It was, yes, it's a gimmick, but I think it pays off in dividends because you get to see these characters not just the kid but the adults age over time Uh, and it's not just like the aging in terms of like their conversations they have it's their aging in terms of what becomes important to somebody as they get older and how do traumas affect them as time goes on i know the movie gets criticized a lot for having no plot essentially it's basically an event to event sort of movie but i think for a movie like this and for richard linklater especially that's what works and i love this Okay, um, I'm not really a Linklater fan. Uh, <laughs> I watched uh, Everybody Wants Some as Brandon recommended on our summer movies. I hated it. Fuck. Sorry, you. Brandon. It, it's it's a very toxic movie, I believe. But you're you're entitled to your own opinions. I agree. But you're I like. <laughs> I uh, you lost my train of thought. Uh, I like some of his movies. I haven't gotten to Boyhood yet because at the time, yes, I did think it was a gimmick movie and I did decide not to see it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sounds interesting. It's Maybe not a stunt. It it's a gimmick. Okay, it's not a stunt, but it's a gimmick. Yeah. Chris, have you seen this movie? Yes, I have. Um, man, I don't even, it's been, it, it was like way back that I saw this, but like, just to be clear, this is the one with Brie Larson in it, right? No. No, wait, that's what? Room. What the fuck? <laughs> What? No, sorry, I thought this was rude. What if Ray Larson was in Boyhood? I would. What? The I would just love that. All right, you don't get to talk about. This yeah, movie, I, honestly, maybe sorry. I haven't seen this movie. Sorry, I thought this was. All right, rude. let's move on. Okay. Next, next movie. Go to your third movie. <laughs> oh God. Okay. All right. What's your number three? My third movie is a. Well, Ethan, I'm really glad that you mentioned um, Spider-Man: Homecoming because my third pick is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Miles, basically, Miles Morales, um, young Spider-Man, growing up in a world where he discovers that there is a multiverse and there are hundreds of Spider-Men out there, and he meets, uh, I think, five of them, um, or four, something like that. Five, I think. Um, and he learns what it is to be Spider-Man. Kind of, pretty much, the same themes as um, Homecoming, but I think portrayed in a much more at least in my opinion, a more, like, I don't want to say human, but, like, there's something, like, relatable about, like, I guess it's kind of similar. It's, like, a young kid in a big world, and that's kind of, like, I think that's what it's a lot, what it's like to be, you know, coming of age. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I love this pick so much. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I think think this is the best Spider-Man movie it it keeps you on your toes. It's not predictable. It's really emotional. And I think the coming of age stuff with Miles and his dad and Miles and his uncle is fantastic. Okay. I love this movie. It's an amazing movie. It's not my favorite Spider-Man movie. I 
Honestly, I prefer the MCU ones just a little bit more, but I still, I love Into the Spider-Verse. I think Miles Morales is the best Spider-Man of all time. I, I agree. like him more than Peter. But I would say that, I'm going to argue against that this is a more of a coming-of-age movie than Homecoming. I think the themes of this movie are more about anyone can wear the mask. I think that's what this movie's all really about, mm. instead of uh, transitioning into adulthood like Homecoming is. That's my argument. Okay. And... Um, yeah, I love this movie. I do think some of the characters are wasted, like, after a couple rewatches, like, Spider-Ham and Spider-Man Noir. Like, I, I wish those characters were just developed a bit more, but I get it. It's about Miles Morales. It's not it's about, about them. I know that. I know that. But I love those characters so much, and it was disappointing to see that they weren't further developed, you know? We're getting a sequel. It's, I know, and we're getting... Okay, so maybe I'll shut up when the sequel comes out, but what am I even to complain about? I love this movie. But I would say that I think Homecoming is more of a coming of age than this film because mm. I, I don't think we should ignore Spider-Verse's themes of the fact of anybody can wear a wet mask, anyone can be a hero. Well, it can be both at the same I find, time. I know, but I'm just arguing for the stack, Brandon. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'll, I, I will honestly like secede in the sense that like I do, even though I don't agree... I don't agree, but I do understand Ethan's argument in the sense that um, I would say, yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming does emphasize the coming-of-age aspect of a young Spider-Man more. But that's not to say, of, as Ethan said, it's not that's not to say Into the Spider-Verse is any less of a film. I think yeah. it's just its main focus might verge somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it does acknowledge like young Spider-Man coming into form, but at the same time, yeah, it does it it's it does like talk a lot more about um wearing the mask and that anyone can be a hero no matter who you are or what you or your past or anything like that um but yeah okay that's Uh, love that pick love that pick lots of spider-man love on this podcast we love him we love old spidey okay so my third and final film is i i decided to save this for last because i think it's the film it's the coming of age film that touched me the most it it's I i find it relatable I find it hilarious, and it's. I find it. It's just a. It's a classic. It's a classic film. Um, Triumph ta- of the will. Triumph of the will. That's. My, no. <laughs> it just. It taught. It taught me a lot about. Um, uh, coming over your anxieties of not being taken seriously and. <laughs> um, <laughs> being a fucking Nazi. No, it's not it. Triumph of the Will. We're not talking about Triumph of the Will. We're talking about the SpongeBob movie. The very first SpongeBob movie. It kind of is about being a loser. Mm. It is. But not a Nazi. It's about It's about SpongeBob not having to, like, struggling with people not taking him seriously as an adult, but having that shouldn't matter. You should still be yourself, but also... Uh, it teaches people that you don't have to be um, a Squidward to be an adult. You know, it, you can still have energy. You can still have youth, and it just it takes you on this wonderful journey of SpongeBob and Patrick going to get the crown and save the town and Mr. Krabs. You know, and uh, it's just a, it's a magical journey. It's um, it's the last great piece of SpongeBob media that came out before the dark times, as SpongeBob fans know. And yeah, that's yeah. Once <laughs> once the bars are gone, once the two black bars on the side of the green are gone, you know you're not watching a good SpongeBob episode. That's kind of the rule. 
But yeah, it's directed by Steven Hillenburg. Rest in peace. He he made a fantastic movie here about uh, accepting your 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 childlike side, but also being re- having a responsibility. And I just I love the SpongeBob movie. What do you guys think? Uh, I love this movie a lot. Um, I it's a great musical. <laughs> like the music in it is actually really. Yeah, I love but the music. In this it, it's it's really catchy. It rip it doesn't rip off anything. It it, it homages to classic rock, which I love, uh, like the end song, being a goofy goober. Um, that's excellent. Uh, the the themes are great. The comedy is gold. It, it it appeals to adults as much as it appeals to kids. But I think it also says something that kids might not pick up on, you know, or they might pick up on, but it might not hit them until like a later age. And yeah. and that's like, you can sacrifice things in order to help others, um, and yeah, like you can learn to become an adult even and not let go of your childhood, and how it had an effect on you. Right, Chris. I'm be honest. I have not seen this movie. What? What? I what? thought. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. We talked about. I'm gonna just gonna very quickly talk about this. Um, the three of us are. In a Venn di- in a three-way Venn diagram between Cartoon Network, Disney, Disney Channel, and Nickelodeon. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Brandon grew up watching Disney and Nickelodeon. Ethan grew up watching Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, and I grew up watching Cartoon Network and Disney Channel. So this is one of those movies that um, I happen to miss out on. But we have blind hey, spots. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like, we're look, only human. Y'all can judge me all you want, but Brandon, I bet your ass you haven't seen the Teen Titans Go movie. And Ethan, I bet your ass that you... Well, we made you watch the High School Musical movie. But you haven't seen Lemonade Mouth, I bet you. Yeah. So it, this is kind of like my kind of like randomly missing thing. I did watch a little bit of Spongebob as a kid. I know like the... the I think I do know enough like to keep up with like the quote, like the big quotes. Patrick is one of my favorite characters. Like he's just so fucking funny. Um, so I don't really have much to say about this film because I literally have no idea what it's about. Other than, of course, Spongebob and whatnot. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is a like good road trip movie. <laughs> it's great. It's a road trip movie, and it's about so Mr. Krabs opens a Krusty Krab two, and he has to decide a new manager for the Krusty Krab two. You're, yeah, yeah. two. <laughs> um, and SpongeBob thinks that it's him. That it's gonna be him, but um, Squidward gets the job instead. And oh. Mr. Krabs' reasoning is because SpongeBob's just still a kid, even though he's the best employee at the Krusty Krab, and that makes SpongeBob sad. And then they get into all this. Plankton does a plan that freezes Mr. Krabs, and he takes over the town. And SpongeBob has to go on this quest, and it's about him going on this quest and coming to terms with if he's a man or not. And it's fantastic. It's a fantastic movie. Great. Okay, that's my Spon- that's the SpongeBob movie. All right. All right. And those are our films. Those are three films. So let's before we get we get to the we get to fighting about what's going to be on this final stack. Let's run them down. Brandon, start us out with this rundown. Breakfast Club. You two, Mama Tambien. Boyhood. He just showed all the DVDs in our faces. Okay, Chris. What about you? My films are Raw, Moonlight, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right. And my films are Boy, Spider-Man Homecoming, not Spider-Verse, Homecoming, and the SpongeBob movie. Okay, so 
what I'm thinking about for our theme here is, um, I think we let's try to be as diverse in terms of like settings, you know. So here's here's my pitch. So let's have our, our American coming of age film be The Breakfast Club, you know. We have an American coming of age. Then let's have our Mexican coming of age film be E2 Mama. And then I I would say boy for our Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, New whoa, whoa, whoa. You're leaving out France and like Moonlight, which is like a black America. Yeah, I, I know. know. It's hard. But <laughs> Uh-oh. I mean, like, why, like if we're talking, are diversity, you really going to pull that card on me? <laughs> if we're, no, no, I, I, I won't hold you to that. But I will say, like, if we're talking diversity, I think what's more important to talk about in terms of that is not necessarily the setting, but more so the way in which it's executed. You are so right. So, yeah, what I'm, what I'm going to say, minor five star movies. So what I'm going to say here is, um. I think E2 Mama and Moonlight are more um, uh, coming-of-age fil- films that deal with your sexuality. So I think let's let's swap out for Moonlight. What do you think about that, Chris? Boy, Moonlight, Breakfast Club. I don't, Those are all I don't like different. that. Why? Because I think E2 Mama Tambien is more international. and We need to start to like uh, like recommend people stuff that they may not have seen. What if okay. we switch E2 Mama mama for raw because that's also for sexual awakening Ooh, and it's also horror that's that's but that's different i think it's less focused on the sex it's still there but it's all but it is also about like um you know just basic like coming of age like you know adolescence and I like mean, fitting in I, you know i i would rather have moonlight if i'm gonna be honest yeah i i, I think raw maybe i i think i might like raw more but i just think for this category I'm just gonna say right now. I think Moonlight would be per- more perfect for this category than Raw. I feel I feel like we could save Raw for other stacks in the future. Do would you? Okay, I I think it is, but I just want to hear what you guys think. Do you think Breakfast Club must be on this list? Yes, I think so too. But yeah. Ethan, yeah. Okay, so that's pretty much locked. Um, it's a lock. So and I I really want Boy on this list. It's such a good film. I want Boy and on this list too because I'd be okay with having it. Boy it goes with the international flow of things, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think then, like basically when between Mo- it's I think right now we're in the conversation between Moonlight and Raw. So basically it's what? kind of like if we're <laughs> no no oh, we're not and, 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 <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Mama Tam. Moonlight and to, me to Mama. Me to Mama Tam Bien and Moonlight, right? I I I yeah. I think I, Moonlight's a better movie than. I think uh, Moonlight tackles like I think it's much more contemporary. Not to say that's better, but like I also think right. it's just like I don't know. I like the movie more. Me too. I think I think it's a better film. I think its themes are more powerful, and it, like I said, I think Moonlight is decade defining. As well, I think also Breakfast Club is. Well, probably we already have like a we already have an American movie on the list. But it's so different. But it's from not. Club. It's it's not a like I don't know. It's it's so like different. Like you, this story could be told from like the perspective of, like say a French like um, African American like gay like man, but like. French. You know this, yeah. Sorry, what? Wait, what? Sorry, French, <laughs> French, African American gay man. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm still working on that. Working on that. What the hell? Anyway, working on what? <laughs> my, my words. I don't know. I'm Chinese. I'm and this is where we. You. That's let's not go. true. Okay, to get rid of this controversy, let's just put you. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, 
I petition for Moonlight. I, I think it, I think this is a two beats one scenario. I would switch yeah. out uh, boy for Moonlight. Shut up. Moonlight. No. <laughs> you are not kicking me out. You are not kicking me out. I'm standing my ground. This well, you, you, You're not putting me out of the list. You have a pick. You already have Breakfast Club. Well, I want two picks. Sit down, boy, and deal with it. I'm putting in two, Moonlight. I want two picks. No. This is a better sex movie. No. See, that's all... That's all, that's all he cares about. about. That's all no, he cares about. He just likes no, the sex in that movie. No, it's good. we're not we're not indulging in these behaviors, Brandon. We're putting in Moonlight. Disagree. <laughs> all right, so there's our. Wait, let's figure <laughs> out how we're gonna order this. Should we go by age? Should we do boy, Breakfast Club, Moonlight? Well, Moonlight is like all oh, ages. That's why I have a problem yeah, with it being but, on the list because it's like because it's age. Like what? Yeah, because it's like three different ages, and if you put it anywhere on the list, it's kind of awkward because there's no progression. But it's it's about it, like a person like like throughout time coming of age. So is he too? Kind of like, kind of like Benjamin Button that you originally had, but you threw yeah. it away. You fucking idiot. Yeah, you know why I threw it away? Because it is a good movie, and you're dumb. <laughs> my god things are getting heated oh my god all right brandon there's no way you can convince us that e2 mom is going to be on this list over moonlight or boy at breakfast club i'm, I'm just gonna say that i'm obsessed with constantly trying to be not upset that's why i stay in my private jet all right that bitch ain't trying to fret i as a bitch ain't trying to flex i don't think shut up moonlight's not a satisfying ending so we shouldn't have it last last I let's think. have breakfast. I, I, let's do it like uh, our time travel. Classic. Let's last. have. Should we have breakfast? Like be, be last. Yeah. Should we go? Should we go? Moonlight first, boy second. So we go out of the U.S. and then we come back to the U.S. for Breakfast Club. I'm what cool do you guys with, think about? I'm that? cool with that. Okay. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. Thumbs up. All right. Okay. Look at that. That was probably our bloodiest. Uh, fight for decision stack, yeah. fight for the final stack yet i oh, want spongebob guy. instead of moonlight i'm okay with that yeah let's <laughs> no, do this no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> all right let's let's run this down we're an hour and 20 minutes maybe probably less but chris start us off with our with stacks quintessential coming of age flicks list hit it all right. so our first film is a 2016 film directed by barry jenkins it won Best Picture um, at the Oscars. It is Moonlight. It is a film telling the story about a young um, African-American man deal, uh, coming to terms with himself, learning about his identity in a world that uh, in, is inhibiting him from doing so. It's about uh, the dichotomy between the external self, and, the external persona and the internal self. Um, it is a beautiful expression of the LGBT community and... Yeah, it's a gorgeous film from start to finish. All right. And our second film on this stack is Taika Waititi's second feature film uh, from 2010. It's Boy. It's struggling about um, coming to terms with being who you are and uh, who, your fam who your parents are. It's about um, realizing what is what is success in the world and what is what 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 you really want and then what it did what they and then it, 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 it can do you so bad it, and he'll do that so you can do you so bad he'll do anything 
<laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to overlay that video. Your really did, ex- it did explode two episodes. <laughs> no, no, I was referencing a video. It I was, was referencing, referencing the, the kid, the little kid. That kid. I'll, I'll, I'm going <laughs> to overlay the two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my boy. That's our second pick. Boy. Brandon, going to our third. Right. And our final pick. Our final pick is Breakfast Club. The most quintessential coming-of-age movie about a group of kids getting together and finding out who they really are and why cliques don't necessarily work in society and how you need to break those norms and become an adult. All right. And there it is, everyone. That's the stack. I hope I hope you all check out these three amazing films. I hope you go check out all of these films that we've talked about on this yeah, podcast Yeah, this is a great today. episode. I think we, we made some great picks. Every, yeah, it, all nine of them deserve to be watched. Yes. And if you do ever, like... Uh, take up a recommendation from us, please let us know on social media. Like, we'd love to see that kind of stuff. I know um, Joey Jordan's mom watched Cabin in the Woods from a stacked recommendation, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I don't know what her consensus was, but it's always nice to see that people are actually, you know, actually taking taking our, our words for it and checking out these great films. Uh, yeah, and that'll do it for the show today. Uh, I'd like to thank Brandon and Chris for joining me. <laughs> don't yep. every week, you know. I don't fucking. I'd like to. Them. I'd like to thank my two special guests, Brandon and Chris. For yeah, joining it's me. not like we're we're co-hosts. <laughs> Ethan's the host. You and I are just recurring guests. You know what? Yeah. We're gonna perform a coup now. Let's. let's you know it. what? Thank you for Keep talking and for, yelling. Uh, I'm just gonna cut you two yeah. out right now. See, now they're not talking. No, I am in control. I am in control.